Welcome to Knights of the Cyber Table. We are here to break down the latest cybersecurity topics and rescue you from any ransomware, hacker, or breach that may lie ahead. So put on your armor and pull up a chair. Welcome back to another episode of Knights of the Cyber Table, where we eat, sleep, and breathe cybersecurity. I'm your host, Nina, and today with me, I have two very special guests, Karen Lipson, Executive Vice President for Innovation Strategies from one of our strategic partners, Leading Age New York, and our very own co-founder and VP of Business Development, Mike Stamos. Thank you both for joining me today. It's nice to talk to you both. Thanks, Nina. All right, so it's no surprise that the healthcare industry has a lot going on right now. Every business is seeing that cybersecurity is a serious matter firsthand. I feel like I see something in the news now more than ever. Um, I could probably name five headlines in the past two weeks. (laughs) Um, And our discussion today is to have that perspective of both sides of the coin. So Karen, I would love your healthcare perspective as someone who has experienced trying to figure out the tricky world of cybersecurity. And then we have obviously Mike from the cybersecurity side who has seen almost everything. So hopefully we can give our healthcare listeners some tips and insights. So let's dive in. Mike, over the past, I would say 14 months, executives have been preoccupied with everything to do with the pandemic um, and obviously may have been a little less focused on their digital threats. In your opinion, what are the top four cybersecurity risks, or however many threats, uh, threats or risks that providers should be focusing on today, as we are halfway through 2021? You, you know, Nina, it's it's interesting thinking that time was was now 14 months behind us, but thinking back to that time, which doesn't seem terribly hard, we. We saw a lot of our clients and even us as a, as a business, we, we needed to very quickly rethink how we do business, how we connect into the office, how we migrate to a workforce, uh, a remote workforce, how we leverage video conference uh, technologies that we may not have leveraged in the past. So we were essentially forced, all of us, to rethink how we do business and, and make some last minute kind of under the gun shifts to how we do business. And obviously that introduces risk and change into the organization, which criminals have, have a tendency to exploit. So, you know, I think now that, we're, you know, hopefully the pandemic's behind us, we need to go back and look at those changes we made to the business. Many of us are, are, are going to work differently now. I think most organizations are, and they're looking at remote work differently. Let's be sure we're we're reviewing those things that we were forced to change 14 months ago, and we we, we ensure we did that in a way that uh, introduces the, the least amount of risk as possible to the business. So, you know, when, when thinking about those top, you know, four cybersecurity risks that we should be thinking about halfway through 2021, I think the first thing is to go back and really assess what we were forced to change um, because of the pandemic and ensure we made the right decisions and we did that in a secure manner, meaning, you know, we've assessed the vendors that we may be using you know, we've we've made the what was once temporary licensing that we needed to maybe VPN into the office is now 
you know, a, a proven license with the right security controls and patches and things of that nature. So, you know, I think one of those one of those things to look at is really reassessment of your risks, because I don't care what kind of organization or business you are, you were you were forced to make changes to how you store information, share information or connect back to the office. So I'd say that first thing is is reassess because a lot has changed. Also think about who we're sharing our data with today. Um, again, because of the pandemic, we're maybe leveraging cloud technologies a little bit more than we used to, or we're leveraging, um, you know, products like SharePoint or, you know, Outlook Web Access and things of that nature, again, to help the business, you know, act as normal as possible because of the shifts remote workforce. So risk assessment, vendor risk management, really ensure we've got a, an up-to-date and accurate inventory of who we're sharing information with and ensure we've got the right language in those contracts and we're doing our due diligence to be able to understand the risk they introduced to us. Know where our data is and, and ensure you're, you're maintaining the right people in those conversations because it's very difficult to assess risk a vendor introduces to you or just assess how your risks have changed over the past 14 months if you don't include the owners of that risk that exist within the business. So if you're doing a risk assessment siloed in IT or siloed in finance, you're probably not getting the right picture. Ensure you're incorporating the right people into those conversations so we get a good comprehensive view of, of what's changed and, and what we need to do to, to bring risk down to a level we're, we're comfortable with. A hundred percent. I don't know if our listeners listened to our last episode, but I was talking with Daniel Gibson, and I was saying that cybersecurity is a team sport, and I'm going to get t-shirts and pass them out because it really is. If you're siloed into one one spot, it's not going to work. So thank you, Mike. You hit on some great points. I'll buy that t-shirt. <laughs> now, Karen, I want to know from your perspective, do you feel that healthcare organizations and long-term care, are you still feeling that overwhelming juggle of chaos and everything that's going on, or has it kind of calmed down a little bit? Well, the outlook is definitely brighter today because of the vaccine, and we're seeing fewer infections among our long-term care patients and residents. We're seeing fewer staff furloughs because of exposures and infections. Um, in long-term care facilities, we mostly have visitation um, going on, which makes everyone happier. Um, so things are definitely brighter, but Mike put the hit the nail on the head when he talked about change, we have been operating in a constant state of kind of change and upheaval over the last 15 months, and that's still going on. Um, we have seen uh, frequent changes in requirements relating to testing of staff, masking, um, visitation, occupational health and safety, et cetera. Um, and those are still happening. And, and some of the changes are, are great because they're in response to the vaccination and loosening of restrictions. But each change triggers, you know, a uh, an array of new policies and educating staff on new policies and new record keeping requirements, et cetera. So it is it's really challenging. Um, and it's challenging to find the resources in the midst of all of these new requirements and changes um, to focus on cybersecurity, even though it's more important than ever. 100%. I think Mike also hit on a really good point about saying is that we made all these changes, we were constantly going and going, and now to kind of sit down and reassess 
and what what needs to maybe be changed again or what needs to be more fine-tuned. I think that's really important. So thank you both. Obviously, healthcare providers have dramatically increased their use of telehealth during the past year, uh, including, unfortunately, non-traditional telehealth platforms such as a FaceTime, Zoom, et cetera. So, Mike, what are some of the risks associated with telehealth and the use of the non-traditional platforms? What should providers maybe be doing now? Well, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit in the in the last uh, question, but really having an inventory of the providers you're leveraging to continue to provide care as close to the same way you did prior to the pandemic as possible. So having a formalized process to assess vendors is is one of those things that we should really reassess based on the changes of the last 14 months. And let's assume, and, and, and I'm sure it's a safe assumption, that everyone in your organization wants to do the right thing. Um, sometimes we find organizations are, you know, there might be some individuals within the organization that are using things like Zoom or FaceTime to continue to provide patient care because they, they want to provide that same level, that that same patient experience they always were able to. So we found that some healthcare organizations have people, I, w- I don't want to say going rogue and kind of, you know, going off the ranch and doing things on their own, but but in the spirit of of, of providing individualized patient care, we found that some organizations are 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 less structured around how they're they're using telehealth and some of those those tools. So I'd say, again, it may sound a little bit like a broken record here, but have conversations with the business and and really try to dig in and identify areas where people might be still using band-aid type solutions. Once you're sure that's not happening, really look at formalizing how you assess vendors. And and that starts with an inventory of, of vendors that you're sharing patient data with or leveraging to provide patient care and and ensuring we understand those risks and, and we've assessed that. You know, there's there's a formal way to to assess vendors for sure. But then also, you know, thinking about, I'm sure there's some long-term care facilities on the call today with our guest speaker, but but also look at, you know, organizations like Leading Age or the American Health Association or or any of those other organizations that advocate on your behalf or provide resources to you know, get ideas and and suggestions as to how to minimize risk in things like telehealth. There's some really great uh, resources out there. But I'd say, you know, at, at its at its highest level, formalize how you assess the risk that's introduced by vendors. Have that assessment take place in a conversational way within the business, so you're sure you're really getting an accurate understanding of of what's actually happening from a from a practice perspective. And then once you know where it's at, you'll either make the decision to be comfortable with the way it is today, or if there's some areas where there's risk, obviously you can build out a plan to to mitigate those risks. Definitely. And I think um, there's a lot of vendors that if you don't really know how many vendors you have and where they're going and coming from, then that can kind of be an issue at hand. So I guess just start with assessing your vendors and making sure they have the access that they need to, and then going from there and getting the rest of your organization involved, kind of like what you said, Mike. So. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, obviously telehealth is something that comes into play, but, you know, there's there's other things we've seen like, uh, you know, online registration systems. Some healthcare yeah. providers have like uh, wellness programs, you know, sometimes someone is, you know, we've seen an organization say, hey, we're, we're using this, this sign up application to get people to participate in the yoga programs that we're mm-hmm. providing. Again, they're trying That's to provide true. the best absolute patient care they can but 
are they are they loading protected health information into that sign up system and is that a risk for the organization again i don't want to give the impression that these you know sometimes these changes force people to do things that may inadvertently introduce risk to the organization so really really dig in and, and try to figure out um, those areas like that karen you're not in your head do you have anything to to add on on this point well i was just um, thinking about your comments about teamwork earlier and how, you know, cybersecurity is not just the responsibility. You can't just delegate it to the IT team or to your security officer and assume that everything's taken care of. Because how is the IT team going to know that you are taking credit card information through your wellness program sign-up application unless they are talking to the people who are registering uh, clients for the wellness program. Um, and, you know, that sort of brings me back to my comments earlier about everyone being overwhelmed with this avalanche of COVID-related responsibilities and how do you get people to engage on cybersecurity um, during this time. So, you know, I was I was thinking that um, there are pro there's probably some triage you can do, some key uh, key tasks that you can do to mitigate your risk um, that perhaps wouldn't take an enormous amount of time and resources, like updating that vendor management list um, or testing how your staff responds to mock phishing emails. Um, and, you know, there's, Mike, you probably have other ideas of, you know, just one or two key things that you should really be focusing on um, in spite of all of the other responsibilities on your plate. Yeah, that's a really good point, Karen. You know, there's, you know, the, the, every cybersecurity problem doesn't require, you know, the the outside help of a consulting firm like Gray Castle or any other great firms out there. But obviously, there's no shortage of of news about cybersecurity today. If you can you can leverage those types of news stories that are obviously on the top of everyone's mind as a as a way to kind of use that news as a teachable moment to reinforce the types of security behaviors that you know we need we need people to have, whether it's being suspicious of you know, malicious emails or, or you know, looking hard at, at the address that some of these emails are coming from, There there's definitely an opportunity to leverage some of the craziness that's going on in the industry today to reinforce those behaviors. And then, like you said, you know, vendor risk management, you know, can, can get pretty complex with, you know, looking at contract language and the technical controls that some of these providers have. But Something as simple as just really generating that inventory of vendors and, and looking at that list and saying, you know, which ones do we share sensitive or protected information with and which ones do we not? Just focus our efforts on those ones that are higher risk that we do share the, the information with. When, when, you know, when you need some outside help, you know, there's terms that can assist, but, you know, there's definitely things that organizations can do that aren't going to take up a ton of time that will really um, you know, bring some some significant value to your to your risk posture, and I think training and, and vendor risk management are two are two big ones. Great, thank you guys both. I, I definitely agree. So, Karen, let's go back a little bit. So, can you go more into, in your opinion, what do you think long term care is struggling with the most right now? If you had to pick two to three things, um, out of all the things. <laughs> 
Well, I think cybersecurity and cybersecurity. Yeah. Right, right. So I think it it is finding the both the financial resources and the personnel time to focus on cybersecurity. Um, as Mike pointed out, there are things you can do that don't require a big investment of money or time um, that would be really helpful. I remember uh, reading about some of the big um, uh, cybersecurity incidents lately where they did come from a vendor who you know, was either supplying some software application um, or was um, doing something else uh, in a in, within an organization. And uh, it seems like the resources that were spent recovering from the ransomware attack or whatever um, uh, probably could have been avoided if there had been some simple upfront preventive measures. And so I guess the uh, the lesson is, you know, try to identify those three key things that aren't going to require a huge investment of time and money, like updating your vendor list and figuring out which ones are the most risky and re-educating your staff about phishing emails. Um, and it's, and it's the little things that things really down. make a big impact. Yeah. So wrapping up, Mike, I have one last question for you. What do you want our listeners to walk away with? Something that they can do today to get a better handle on their cybersecurity and their risk at hand if you're talking to any individual in the healthcare space? Well, you know, I think I think one thing, you know, we talked a lot about vendor risk management and hopefully gave your listeners, Nina, some some things to think about to help make an impact. And again, awareness training is one of those targets that we're always we're always trying to get ahead of. Um, so hopefully we've brought some value there. You know, I think another thing we'd want to think about and kind of ties in with your question here, especially with with where we're at today from an industry perspective, is is incident response. And I think Karen and, and leading age members can can agree that healthcare healthcare professionals and healthcare organizations more than than any client that we work with really understands how to work in a crisis. You know, if anyone's going to keep cool when things go sideways, it's it's healthcare professionals and and that's something we we really appreciate about working with that industry and I think thinking about where we're at from a cybersecurity perspective and thinking about incident response you you've already got the fundamental tools as as a healthcare organization to be able to keep cool and and follow a plan in a crisis situation however if you don't have that plan or that plan is dusty and you haven't looked at your incident response plan in a long time make sure that's that's up to date that plan is you know valid it captures the right um, people from the organization, whether it's, you know, the IT team or the finance team or the legal team or marketing and communications, make sure you've got a plan that that is built to be able to deal with the types of incidents we're looking at today from a cybersecurity perspective, like ransomware and business email compromises and things of that nature. Because I think, again, healthcare more than any other industry, you've got the people that know how to operate and execute on that plan. But if you're missing the plan, you're you're really missing out on a on a big a big value point. So, you know, I think as a, as a takeaway, our tips and ideas around vendor risk management and 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 uh, incident response is helpful. But um, you know, I think really from an incident response plan, it's something that's on the top of everyone's mind. And you know, if you're in IT, I'm sure you know your your leadership team's asking you about it. And if you're on the leadership team, you're probably wondering 
geez, you know, are we protected from an incident response perspective? I'd say one of the first places you're going to want to look is is at that incident response plan. If it's missing, that's a pretty big risk, and and you know, get one built. Um, if it if it's there, run some tests, run through it. You know, get get the team engaged and work through some scenarios. Again, things that you could hire an outside firm like a Greg Castle to do, but absolutely things you could do on your own too. But um, you know, that plan is really important. And again, you've you've got the right people with that plan. I think you're 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 in much better shape than than some other industries. Dust the plan off, test it a bunch, and make sure it actually is effective and works. I mean, we'll put that on, on my t-shirt. Yeah, um, exactly. We <laughs> continue on back. Dust it off, test it, make sure it works. I like oh, it. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a side business and just making cybersecurity slogans on t-shirts. <laughs> I think it will go really well. Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for sitting down and talking with me today. I think it was really effective. And like you said, Mike, I hope our listeners got some information nuggets out of it. Karen, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. My and pleasure. hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Dina. Thank you both. Thanks. That's our story and we're sticking to it. See you guys next time on Knights of the Cyber Table.